Certified, the autobiography of David Harris. Written by David and Helen Harris. Read by James Pollack. For more information on the book, go to certifiedthebook.com. Chapter 16. My friendship with Helen grew slowly. We often hung out together as mates. I was friends with quite a few of the amazing women from church, but as time moved on it was Helen who I became best mates with. I really enjoyed her company, but I was scared that I would get it wrong again. Things started to change when Helen moved from the house with four other girls into a unit by herself. I found myself visiting the girls' house less often and dropping in on Helen's place more. Something really attracted me to Helen, not in a romantic way immediately. She had a deep relationship with God and a well of inner strength. I respected her. She would get me to help her with something or we would chat about a variety of issues life brought along. It was not unusual for us to go somewhere together and it became more obvious that something was starting to connect between us. It was during a spontaneous day trip to Phillip Island in September 1995 that we finally connected as a couple. The knobbies at sunset, with the monster waves crashing on a rugged cliff face as the sun started its colourful descent, was the remarkable backdrop for our first kiss. I had stepped into a romantic relationship once again. This time it felt different. I hoped it would work out okay. At the start of the new year, after a few months of dating, we decided to take a marriage preparation course together at Mount Evelyn Church of Christ, thinking that it would help us confirm whether or not we were right for each other. I learned through the course that love is a commitment, not just a feeling. Afraid that my feelings would ruin everything again, I wouldn't allow myself heady feelings for Helen the way that I had for my last girlfriend. I was still trying to figure myself out, and I didn't want to break Helen's heart, or ruin the possibility of a future relationship with her. Yet I couldn't stop thinking about her, and had to admit to myself that I found her very attractive. I was confused as to how I should act. Did I really want to commit myself to this woman forever? Was I ready to make such a commitment? To take on that sort of responsibility? Could I fulfil that kind of commitment? Besides my romantic confusion, life was going better than it ever had. I had moved into my own place and I'd landed a job with Harrison Youth Services. The underwear stalls at the market were making money and giving kids opportunities. And I was making good progress in my studies at Bible College. God seemed to be blessing everything I touched without a lot of effort from me. The hardest part of my life was working out my relationship with Helen. I'd recognised that this was for keeps. If I was to commit myself to her, I had to choose to love her no matter what happened. Making such a lasting commitment scared me. I knew I could not afford to mess this up. I desperately wanted to get it right and I felt way out of my depth. Through the course at Mount Evelyn and our hours just hanging out together, I grew to respect and admire Helen more and more. I could tell she was enjoying hanging out with me too. The choice to commit became one I wanted to make, but I was still afraid that I would not be able to come through and live up to my commitment. I desperately did not want to create a train wreck marriage, and living together was not an option. We understood God ordains a sexual relationship to be within a covenant marriage relationship only. A covenant relationship is only found in marriage. What God says is good, and he sets boundaries in place for good reason. I was used to doing as I pleased. I was now faced with replacing my old desires with my deeper desire to please God. Yet, I'd lived for many years running from responsibility. To move forward in a Christian relationship required me to step into a new level of responsibility. It would mean commitment, not just desires and emotions. 
Life had changed and I was changing. So much was going right around me. It was scary yet satisfying. I knew I was leaving a life of death and destruction. I was being offered a truly fresh start that I'd never really thought possible. I had to commit. I had to be willing to carry responsibility. It was time to stick to some right choices. On the 1996 Labor Day holiday, Helen and I drove down to Phillip Island, just to have a day out together. We stopped at the Nobbies and strolled on a timber boardwalk that wound its way along the clifftop, overlooking the rock formations. We had returned to the place that had seen our serious relationship commence. Something stirred inside of me. This was the right place. This was the right time. The boardwalk was crowded with tourists. I needed a quiet moment. Finally there was a lull in the flow of pedestrians walking up and down and we were alone together. I took Alan's hand in mine. She looked into my eyes and smiled. I found her beautiful. The moment was perfect. The sun sparkling on the ocean behind us and the sound of waves far below breaking against the rocks. Helen, will you marry me? She smiled back. Yes. As we embraced, I was elated and panic-stricken all at once. This beautiful, wonderful woman was willing to marry me, and I had to be the kind of man she needed and deserved for the rest of my life. On the way home, I started to think over the enormity of what I'd just done. Let's not tell anyone, I suggested to Helen as we drove back to Melbourne. Helen felt okay with not making a big announcement for a little while, Although part of my inner motive for not making our engagement public was fear, it also gave us time to get our heads around this major decision. Not only was it a big decision for me, Helen had to face marrying a man with quite a history. I came with lots of baggage. Although I dealt with a lot of demonic entanglements and some hurts, I still had an unknown quantity of potential issues. Helen only wanted to marry the one God had for her, but I was not the package she expected God to bring her way. So the weeks that followed helped us confirm our commitment as God's best for us. We went out hunting for a wedding ring, touring around all the jewellery stores in the area. The choice got down to two rings, one cheaper, the other more expensive. Helen liked them both, and said I could make the decision between the two. I chose the more expensive one, as I wanted her to know that she was worth whatever I needed to pay. I found out later that my choice had been important to Helen. A preacher's kid from a family where money was often tight, she had rarely had gifts lavished upon her. While Helen and I were engaged in our hearts and minds, we still had not made an official announcement, and it occurred to me that I had not spoken to her parents. I wanted to do everything right, so we drove to Helen's mum and dad's home. I was unsure how my future father-in-law would feel about his precious eldest daughter marrying an ex-crim. She had never rebelled against God, and I had the scars and tattoos of my life of sin and pain evident over my body. I was relieved when her parents seemed pleased with the news. Thankfully, they understood the power of Jesus to truly transform a life. I was still busy with the underwear business for Yes, working for Harrison Youth Services and completing my studies at Harvest Bible College. On top of all this, we were trying to plan a wedding. Occasionally, I would take a day off to drop in on friends like Shane Whitburn. Shane had moved to Bendigo and was managing a go-kart track. As I drove along, God spoke to me in an almost audible voice. I'm going to give you that go-kart track. While it sounds exciting, the go-kart business was not a flash sporting complex with lots of corporate dollars. It was basically a load of old tyres formed in a circuit, sitting on an expanse of concrete pavers and protected by a tin roof. The place had once been a trash and treasure market, and it looked like the trash had won out over the treasure. 
I'd been there a few times with the youth group kids. The carts were homemade and powered by four-stroke engines. I had no desire to run a go-kart track, and I had no interest in go-karts or anything mechanical. I thought the idea of owning it was ridiculous. I wasn't exactly thrilled with the idea of being the owner, yet I was sure I'd heard from God. When I arrived, I talked it over with Shane. He seemed to think that the track could make loads of money. The business has only been running for nine months and was apparently making a small fortune. Shane seemed to think that the owner might be open to an offer to sell. We chatted as Shane showed me around. The place had potential if someone was willing to put in some effort. By the time I got in the car to head home, I was keen to approach the owner. When I got back to Melbourne, I talked over the go-kart business with Helen. She'd seen the tyre wall track, the clanky carts and the dusty sheds. She was less than keen. She felt a very clear and strong call to ministry and couldn't imagine leaving it to run an entertainment business. Besides, we'd just pulled all our money and poured it into the wedding, plus a very nice honeymoon package in Port Douglas. Where were we going to get enough money to put up a credible offer for a business? Agreeing to risk financial ruin just because a husband-to-be thought God had spoken was a tough lesson in trust and godly submission for Alan. She'd always been her own woman, making her own decisions based on equal measures of prayer and practical wisdom. Despite the apparent insanity of the idea, I was pretty sure that God had told me to buy the go-kart business and was not going to be put off. Helen and I spent time praying it through. If we were going to be husband and wife, we needed to be in this decision together. In the end, Helen's heart for adventure won out. She'd travelled into various countries doing short-term missions and hiked through snow over the mountains of Tasmania. She came to see the business as a new kind of adventure. Perhaps, just perhaps... God could be leading us to buy the business. In the lead up to the wedding, we had only $500 of our own money to buy anything. We wangled a personal loan with my car as collateral and borrowed money from as many friends as we were game to ask, eventually scrapping together $20,000. With that as a deposit, Shane managed to borrow some more funds. We bargained with the owner of the track and settled on what we thought was a fair price. He agreed to vendor terms to covering the rest of the money we couldn't raise through secured loans. On the 22nd of August 1996, we took over operation of the track. The wedding was on the last day of winter, a week later. Standing at the church altar waiting for my bride was an unforgettable moment. My mum and her husband John were at the wedding, plus my dad and his wife Carol had come from Perth. How far my relationship with my dad had come in the past few years. My sister Carolyn and her family could not make it across from Perth, where she had been building a life for many years. It was amazing seeing so many old and new friends and family gathered together. I had lost contact with some of my old mates, such as Bomber, but I had many new friends who filled the church. Muttering ceased as the sight of my bride entering the church turned everyone's head. This was a moment of blissful amazement at what God had done in my life. Helen wore white. We had kept our relationship pure before God, and now my beautiful bride in white was being brought to me on her father's arm. The ceremony was an expression of our love for each other and our love for God. We sang Shout to the Lord and knew that we wanted our life together to be a shout to the Lord in whatever exciting adventures were ahead for us. We celebrated a wonderful wedding day with many friends and family. We awoke to a new dawn on the first day of spring. We were married. Only God could have pulled off this transformation. Only a few years earlier, I'd been so lost, with nothing to give God except brokenness, failure and sin. 
Father God had exchanged the dirt that I brought to him with eternal life and love. He had given me hope and I was discovering my new, true identity. I was created as a child of God and I was learning to do life as his son. As his child, I knew where I belonged, with him. I had always been valued by God. I'd just never known the value he places on humanity. Jesus showed me that he truly is the way, the truth and the life. As I came to Father God through believing in Jesus and accepted that he paid the penalty for all of my guilt and shame, I was truly found. I could now stop running from pain and hurts. Instead, I ran to the one who brings true, lasting healing and life. I'd been given the gift of forgiveness, was discovering freedom from the chains of unforgiveness as I chose to forgive everyone any hurt that had ever been done to me. It is such an amazing thing to be free from the entanglement of shame and guilt. He transformed the way I thought, my attitudes and actions. He delivered me from the grip of demonic strongholds and the many lies that I believed. Satan is known as the father of lies. Jesus is the truth. I have experienced continuous freedom as God's word has ripped apart each lie and replaced it with the truth. I have been given the wonderful gift of Jesus and the fullness of salvation that Jesus brings. After receiving so much, now he had given me a beautiful, God-loving wife. It was time to start enjoying a new life. I lay on a king-size bed at the close of our two-week honeymoon. We ended up at the Gold Coast in a room many stories high. I could lie in bed and marvel over the sweeping ocean view, my bride by my side. We pondered the new life and business together in Bendigo. There was so much adventure ahead, so much more needing to trust in God still to come. But for now I soaked in the life around me. It seemed almost surreal. I had thought I would not make it to my 30th birthday. But here I lay, with a great future spread before me. Already I was experienced more than I could imagine for my life. The dream of possibilities lay like treasure in front of us. I had been so lost in so many ways. We sat back and gave glory to God that I had been brought from the pit of demonic insanity, brokenness and death to be rescued into abundant life. Through my painful journey, I had made a discovery that would transform my life and those around me. I learned without a doubt that love is the most powerful force on this earth. I now realise that living without a deep connection to a real and unconditional love leaves a hollowness within our hearts and souls. We can live our whole lives with this veiled longing driving us. We seek countless ways to attempt, often with defeated desperation, to experience the value, belonging and acceptance that such love brings. All the while the fulfilment of these deepest desires remain elusive. I have discovered that each of us has been created to receive a significant sense of value and identity from our fathers. Ultimately, this is a reflection of Father God's indescribable love for you and me. My dad is a good man. He had a number of tough things happen to him throughout his life. I know I did not make his life easy. In the end, it doesn't matter whether your father was good or expressed only evil. Whether you connected with him or were completely disconnected. You see... We all can only ever experience a broken sense of identity and value from a man who himself is broken in some way. Even people with good fathers need to learn to connect to the true source of love, Father God himself. However, many of us experience a relationship with our father which leads to feelings of abandonment, rejection, disappointment, shame and guilt, rather than a deep, satisfying love.
Such feelings leave a person feeling lost. In my case, this lostness led down a path that went lower and lower until I was certified criminally insane. The answer to this brokenness was not the numbing of alcohol. Drugs hurtled me through highs and lows, but could never satisfy my longing to be valuable and live with a real purpose. Sexual relationships, though allowing spikes of momentary relief, only caused entanglement in more pain as they were not expressed within the covenant of true intimacy. Violence, anger, hatred, revenge and other negative drives only compounded hurt rather than extinguishing it. As I learned to surrender my pain and emptiness over to Father God through Jesus Christ, I learned to receive a love that I could never deserve through my own effort. As I yielded to Jesus Christ, accepting that he paid the penalty I owed, I tapped into a deep flow of love that never runs dry. I now know that you and I have amazing value, value that is measured by the price God paid for each of us to be freed from the consequence of our individual sin so that each one can be in a personal love relationship with him. The price was the blood of Jesus. He died in my place, in your place. I now know that I belong to his family. He has an amazing destiny for each one of us. It's a destiny that you too can access if you choose to hand over the control panel of your life to him. I am accepted by God, no matter my past. I am forgiven. My identity is no longer in my brokenness or what went wrong. I find my identity from my family line, my father in heaven, who never leaves me and who has a love that can never be pulled from me. I am so grateful for the ever-increasing knowledge of the Father's love that is sweeping into my heart day by day. You can reach out to him right where you are and know that he hears your voice and he longs for you to connect with him. It has now been many years. Helen and I have maintained a life full of grace and faith. We have experienced many trials and circumstances that seem far from our idea of perfection. However, there remains an anchor for our soul. We know the rock on which we stand. Our rock remains firm through the storms we see as God's adventure. The go-kart track became a life adventure park, an expanded fun park with mini-golf, laser tag, go-karts and other activities. God allowed us to grow through the tests and trials of business for over eight years, as he trained us during that season. We did not always enjoy that journey. However, there was countless enjoyable moments. We look back in gratitude on the fruit that our time in business produced in us. We also experienced another whole testimony of God's amazing grace as we gave birth to four beautiful children over a six-year period. Our first two babies are in heaven after such very short lives. The story of Joshua and Emily is a story of God's grace through tough times. It's a story that ends with the birth of our second two children, Rebecca and Jeremiah, who are awesome gifts from God. We thank God for them every day. Helen tells this story in her own book, which focuses on this part of our journey. After eight years of marriage and business, God led us to do something I never imagined that I would or could do. We planted a church in Eagle Hawk, Bendigo. Nothing in God is wasted. He is always good, although life does not always feel good. Now we are on the most exciting adventure yet. Our marriage is exciting. Our family is amazing, and the God adventure has just begun. I encourage you to give up the stuff that is hurting you and others, and ultimately is leading you to death. Your past, whatever that looks like, does not determine your future. It is the choices you make today that determine your future. 
I made a lot of very bad choices and reaped the consequence in my life. Your present choices define who you are in the days and years ahead. There is hope. You do not have to be the victim of the labels that you've been given. Change is not only possible, it is the heartbeat of an amazing God who loves you and desires you to be empowered to life to the full, a life of true freedom. Give over your mess to Jesus. Connect to Father God, whose love chases you down and whose ladder of hope reaches down even into the deepest, darkest pit. We are in a spiritual battle. It's a fight for life or death. Choose life. Acknowledgements. A great deal of help went into making this book come to pass. Firstly, I want to thank my friend Ken Morgan for many days of hard work pulling the information out of me and helping me put it in order on paper. Thank you. To my wife Helen for being brave enough to journey with me through my colourful past and for writing the words in such a way as to add the emotion, heart and colour. Thank you. To Larry and Sharon Edwards for representing Jesus and opening your hearts, your home and your life. Thank you. To Richard and Donna Kahinga for being true shepherds and caring for the least. Thank you. To Shane Whitburn, the resource king, for not being afraid to cast out devils. For your church, Portland CRC, for sowing generously into so many, including me and this project. Thank you. Finally, I thank Jesus for making the way for all to know freedom, love and hope. Certified. The Autobiography of David Harris Written by David and Helen Harris Read by James Pollack For more information on the book, go to certifiedthebook.com <laughs>